Guys, I'm going to try to sip this tea as loud as is physically possible every few seconds. Please ruin everyone's auditory experience. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 45 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I do web-related things. I'm Sam and I make art. Today is April 12th, 2016. And we're just totally boning this intro. It's okay. Over and we'll, over again. We'll truncate the silences. What robotic. people don't know is that there was a 45-minute <laughs> delay there in between my intro and Adam introducing I himself. know. But we'll cut It's we'll true. Cut it was, I mean, I was actually timing it. For some reason, I just started a timer right when Seth finished, and I just watched <laughs> it and waited until it hit You're 45 like, minutes. like, let me hit that 45. I think we mm. should just restart this. <laughs> no, we got this. <laughs> yeah, we're doing great. Let's just we continue. Got we got this. We got good. Roll on. We got good energy. Oh, we got bad energy. All right, and before we get started, we do have a warning, which is there's go- there's going to be profanity, definitely, and a mentions of adult of concepts and languages, like quantum physics, so it- string theory, and the financial impacts of derivatives in the housing market. Very yep, adult and some fluid dynamics. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a child, you know this is clearly way above your your pay grade. So get out. Okay. Uh, so let's get started. We have uh, we have a couple of news items to hit, uh, and then we will get to some player questions. So for starters, and we talked about this a little bit last week, we have a job opening, which is yeah. super exciting for us because we've been in a studio for three years, and we've never had a job opening before. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We've nearly had some job job closings, though, you know, technically. Yeah. Uh, So this job is called The Game Mechanic, and it is a person who essentially will take over our existing portfolio of games and keep them up to date, make sure they are functioning, add new content, do balance patches, and bring them to new platforms. So if that's something you are interested in, uh, head on over to jobs.bscotch.net. We will have more information over there, as well as uh, you can put your name into the hat for a newsletter so that you will be notified as soon as the position actually becomes available for you to apply to. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything else on that, guys? No. Nope. Uh, one other thing is that we, yep. when we first put it up, we said, <laughs> you've got to live in St. Louis or be willing to move to St. Louis to, to mm, yeah. do it. But we had... A very eloquently written, I guess, reply, request, feedback, I don't know, feedback from some uh, eloquent rando who noted. That was his name, actually, eloquent rando. That was his username. It's a good rap name, too. Yeah, perfect. And uh, he said, hey, I think I'd be perfect for this job, except that I absolutely cannot move. Is it really required that we have somebody live here? And we thought about it and we're like, actually, you know. It's still preferred, but probably probably it'd be fine for this particular kind of job because it doesn't require a huge amount of of brainstorming and and always like being in the middle of the social action. Um, while we do prefer that, it's just not required for this. So we decided yep. to relax that requirement. There's also an interesting uh, book by the guys who run 37 Signals, which is a uh, really powerful software company that makes stuff like Basecamp and a few other things. It's called Remote. And the idea is the guys had a similar sort of idea where they're looking to hire you know the best software engineers they could find. And the problem was, of course, that most of the people who exist in the world are not where you are, which by definition means yeah, that... Yeah, almost all of them, actually. Yeah, yeah almost all. Do the math. So then, uh, you know, as an extension of that, most of the people, the best people 
are also not where you are, even if you're in like one of the best places to be. So they they figured out how to do uh, re- remote work. And so they have they have one sort of central office in Chicago. And then uh, a lot of people, it's the same sort of thing. Like a lot of people live there and a lot of people work there. But then they also are totally open to uh, completely remote working. So I'm going to read through that, get some ideas for how to handle such a thing. We've been doing it with Adam for the past you know year and a half, but at the same time, it's just I think it's just because it's been less enjoyable for us than we would like as far as handling. It sucks. It's nice to have actual humans around you. Yeah. If it was just the case that I I was given a task list and said and told go do these things, and and those tasks were very well defined, didn't require me to you know, mentally collaborate with other people and so on, then, then yeah, then like remote working, it would be socially kind of sucky, but it would, it would be fine from a doing work perspective, I guess. Yeah. Which isn't quite what this, I mean, this job won't be us dictating tasks. It'll be very self-directed, but, um, well, I mean, I think we can make it work, but yeah, it'd be exciting. I think overall remote working is, it's just definitely not as enjoyable or or socially fulfilling as actually being there. But, and not only that, it, it throws a lot of wrenches and things because I mean, we, we'll also like to be involved with, with community stuff and, and, you know, chatting with up and coming game devs and that sort of thing. And by necessity, uh, I miss basically all of those. Cause that's, that's primarily done in St. Louis. And, and there are other, other pieces too. I mean, like we were lamenting the fact that, that earlier in the week, Sam and Seth, uh, we're hanging out at one of their houses before we kind of started the work day. And then all of a sudden had a fun idea and started talking about it and realized that if I was able to, to, for me to participate in those things, either they have to decide to actively squash that discussion until later or fill me in on the details after it happens, which are both really sucky alternatives. So, so there is a, there is a true cost. It's not just, well, the, the cost is really in uh, sort of creativity and, and collaboration and, and building a team feeling. Yeah, exactly. And for us, you know, that those are all very important to what we're trying to do. So which is all to say, again, we're, we're removing that requirement, but uh, that's only going to be for people who are just so good that that those are things we're willing to put up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise we've got, uh, we got, we just got a new run of t-shirts. Yeah. Started. You can go to, we've got bit.ly's. Or bit.ly. I always say bit.ly. Bit.ly slash bscotch shirts. Damn it. Bscotch shirts in order to get (laughs) a uh, both the butterscotch shenanigans one you guys see us wearing all the time. Uh, now, Sam, we pretty much live in what as an avid podcast listener myself, uh, I, I seem to recall that the URL is supposed to be bit.ly slash bscotch jorts. Yeah, it's not anymore. It's B-Scotch shirts. Yeah, something changed, and we had to evolve and grow as people, and thereby change our Bitly link. This is part of us being an a, uh, agile corporation. I yep, believe. we just demonstrated agile business principles. Join us. We Anyways. pivoted. <laughs> so yeah, we pivoted to bit.ly slash B-Scotch shirts, but we have the normal butterscotch ones, which we wear all the time, and then we also got this ridiculously like hardcore kind of metal uh, Crashlands shirt. It was best described by some Twitter user as nightmare fuel. Yeah. That, that might have been Mia, our number one yeah, Australian fan, Mia. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's pretty nutty. And so we wanted, we want, we've been trying to uh, build up enough. We're going to start building up enough new designs and stuff in the shop that we could actually have one theoretically open all the time as opposed to just doing these runs. But that's probably a project for will probably happen uh, later in the year. So uh, until then, you only have until May 1st to grab one. So definitely go get them. They're super soft and luxurious and they're screen printed. So they'll last for pretty much uh, forever. 
until yes, the sun goes out. Basically because, forever. But because they're screen printed, just bear in mind that the ordering and shipping process doesn't work the same as uh, maybe other online ordering you're used to. So we are, we are collecting orders for three weeks. Then at the end of that three weeks, they all get printed at once and then they all get shipped. So you won't get it. You know, you, it won't be like you order it and then within a week you get it. It's a week after the orders close. Yeah, we're not Amazon. We're Butterscotch. Come on. Come on. We're a small operation working with another small operation. <laughs> True. Uh, speaking of bit.ly links, we got another one. Uh, we got a lot of them. Which is yeah. uh, the quality of life patch is hitting... I guess today technically is Wednesday in podcast time, so it's arriving uh, late tonight. Late tonight, so it will be out tonight. Actually, even though technically launch day is Thursday, uh, we're really excited about it. It's got all sorts of cool stuff, and you can go read up on the patch notes at bit.ly/qualqolpatch. Um, but the interesting thing is that we so we actually rebuilt the entire world map. We had so many complaints about the fact that you couldn't, you know, pan it or use it like you do most most of your map sort of tools on a mobile device. So, uh, and by pan, you mean filter gold and other high quality materials out of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you couldn't like, you couldn't shake your phone and expect that gold would fly out. And yeah, that was but we've added that as a feature now. Yeah. It's a new thing. Uh, so be wary if you're shaking it in public because you're just going to gold's going to be popping out. Flying yeah, you're going to get mugged so fast. And uh, Seth went back and basically ripped out the whole map and then just rebuilt it using his new uh, knowledges that he acquired over the course of actually developing the game because the map is one of the oldest parts. Would you describe this as newledge? I think, yes, it is newledge. Yeah, I mean, o- over the course of making the game, I, I actually acquired 32 knowledges, and so I used about three of those up when I rebuilt the world it's map. Kinda so like I'm, down to, I'm down to 29, um, but it's still pretty uh, good. So, amount, so, so. knowledges are uh, consumable. It's a consumable currency. Yeah. Can we, is that something we could sell in an IAP? Oh yeah. I mean, that's how I got mine. So I like, yeah. did you, where did you buy your, your, your newledge from? I just got it off Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then also we, <laughs> let's see, we added a bunch of new items to the game, including a like chloroform rag thing that you can slap on your pets. What's it face? actually called? It's called a memory towelette. Oh, a memory right. towelette. So you wipe and the memory and rename <laughs> them with it. Which you is can, great. yeah, it lets you rename your pets. Um, we got some crazy items like pot slappers. That's like a thing that you slap it and then it slaps all of the potted plants around it to harvest them. So you don't have to individually slap all of them. Uh, we got these weird things you can put on the ground that make you slide colorblind modes, new UI stuff like movable hot bars, whole bunch of bug fixes. It's just a good, just a good yeah. fat And if you don't like... Are the slidey things in the trailer? No. I didn't no, see that. I did not put oh. them in there. But they are in a GIF on the blog post. Yeah, so... Or GIF if you're crazy. If you don't like... Speaking of, so Adam just mentioned the trailer. If you don't like reading, uh, we actually put together another trailer, the, pe- the Quality of Life patch trailer. Uh, Although, to be fair, you should not be playing Crashlands if you don't like reading. That's true. Yeah. There are a lot of words in it. Uh, but this, this sort of condenses the entirety of, uh, I don't know how many pages of patch notes into a minute. So, and it's enjoyable to watch. So, uh, definitely check that out and that'll give you the, the and by, that, by that, you mean we literally put all of the patch notes in at the end in an extremely exactly rapidly what I scrolling <laughs> thing that goes by <laughs> over the course of one second. So, um, yeah, we have that. And like Sam said, that's at bit.ly slash QOL patch. If you want to watch that, 
a trailer. And this is also the first time we've ever made a trailer for a patch. Yeah. So well, this is actually you guys. If you guys liked this, you, let us know. Yeah. Some of you might have known, might have seen uh, in our in our SoundCloud list. We have the the unpublished trailer soundbites, uh, which was from the launch trailer that we wanted to make, but didn't actually have time to because of all the craziness leading up to launch. So Crashlands actually only has one trailer, which is from the Greenlight campaign uh, from back you know seven months before launch. And so this is also the second trailer for Crashlands, actually. So uh, we're pretty excited about it. It's, it's, it's goofy. It's the same sort of thing. Um, but definitely check it out. Get some entertainment. Get some screaming in. There's lo- there's plenty of Crashlands yells, so it'll be a good mm-hmm. time. And speaking of video production, mm. there uh, there is a Kickstarter, which we mentioned this uh, last week, but it's still, it's still ongoing. It's still kicking. And this Kickstarter is for the documentary that's being made by Forever an Astronaut. And it's uh, it's about the production of Crashlands and about sort of the backstory behind the game and how we did it and uh, about Sam beating the shit out of cancer repeatedly while we built that game. And it's it's going to be great. It's a feature length documentary. And so if you want to pre-order it or even throw even more money at it, just head over to bit.ly slash Crashlands movie. And you can you can throw some cash down to help this project see the light of day. Yeah, yeah, they're about halfway through, and they still have a long ways to go. So if you if you chip in, you're gonna help them substantially. Yeah, and we'll That's be right. we'll also be uh, sending that out with uh, a lot of the stuff that you guys hear on the podcast today. In particular, is gonna be uh, also rolled into the newsletter, which is coming out on Thursday. So keep your yeah, eyes so you peeled. Get for all that. the links you could ever want. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna do a quick link refresher. We got bit.ly slash bscott shirts. Mm-hmm. Buy your, your shirt fancy meat. tees. Put that on your chest. We got bit.ly slash qol patch. Put that your on eyeballs. your device. Yep. And we got bit.ly slash Crashlands movie, which you can put into your soul. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Uh, speaking of soulful things, so I've always wanted to write a book. I'm just going to segue this super hard. Uh, that was a- You're just as good as Seth is at segue. <laughs> I'm very impressed. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to try this, Adam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, Adam. Yeah. So armchair segueing back there. <laughs> always wanted to try to write a book, or I guess not to try to write a book, to write a book. You did write a book. It's called Metaphor Gas. Well, I've written it's available like- on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> why, do we, why do you got to just shut up about that? God damn it. Uh, so I did write a poetry book, which we will not speak of ever again after this. It's called Metaphorgasm. Shut, on <laughs> also, somebody bought it after the last time we talked. <laughs> so I haven't gotten a note. I haven't gotten royalties from this thing for, you know, since ever. And, and then it was like, you earned six dollars. And I was like, hey, Ooh. it's a sandwich. Somebody bought me a sandwich. Someone just gave you a sandwich. And in return, I will hurt their soul with terrible poetry. Uh, so, but I've always wanted to write a a book and we actually Adam and I uh, participated in NaNoWriMo which for those who aren't familiar is National Novel Writing Month hence the weird acronym it could also is, be NaNoWriMo or no I think Remo Remo sounds better NaNoWriMo <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so that's every November and the goal there is to write a 50,000 word uh, story over the course of the month and the whole point you could is probably go to NaNoWriMo.com I think probably I think NaNoWriMo is the easiest way to think about it. <laughs> You're going to end up in the dark corner. I prefer just look at National Novel Writing Month. There, that's good. Mm, uh, that, uh, I guess so it's actually sure. really fun to do and uh, Adam and I have done it twice. Did you finish the second time? I did it once uh, and actually I spent a bunch of time afterwards editing that thing until I decided it was too much of a fucking mess to, to do. As books written in 30 days usually are. You know, 
Well, it's that and, you know, there was... The beauty of NaNoWriMo is that you go into it and you say, okay, I'm going to write a fucking book, come hell or high water, I don't care if it's garbage. It's like a game jam. It's a game jam. It's about it's the a practice. You know, it's, very, it's a very zen sort of thing where you're like, it doesn't matter. You just got to just do the thing. It was great. I mean, I would get up every... Every morning, I would sit down and write for half an hour to an hour. Every night, I would write for half an hour to an hour. On the weekends, I would sit down for like a three-hour writing marathon on both Saturday and Sunday and just did that for the whole month. It was also a lot of fun because we had uh, we actually had like a competitive spreadsheet where everybody would clue in their, uh, with their word count for the day and then it had a tracker to show you if you were ahead or on target with how many words per day you need to be putting in to hit the 50,000 mark, which is actually a really fun and, and motivating thing. I know I, ha- I fell behind by, I think, like six days once and then just wrote. Yeah, then you had to write like then a you just marathon. I wrote like 8,000 words in two days. It was gross. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I, we we have written some books, but they've never been, you know, anything worthwhile, both poetry and the NaNoWriMo stuff. So uh, someone mentioned uh, that I had mentioned in like 20 podcasts ago, this idea of writing an Inkscape book. So Inkscape, for those who aren't familiar, is the vector, the open source vector program that I used to do the art for all of our games. And so I started looking around a little bit when someone reminded me that I had uh, mentioned that I wanted to do this at some point, and I couldn't actually find an Inkscape book that was that was practical in the sense that it actually focused on getting you from opening the program to like really producing some good stuff and then getting it plugged into you know anything of use like a website or how to export stuff specifically that sort of thing. So um, I was actually thinking about maybe doing that as my sort of side project for the next little bit here is putting together an Inkscape book. And the joke with the previous one is it's, it was called Let's Build a Fucking Snowman. And that was the idea. It's like, it's just, you just build the snowman out of... Just do it. Just do it. Um, probably won't actually be... That's the working title. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, probably won't actually be called that. But uh, if any yeah, of you guys the, are The actual that, title will just be called Build a Fucking Snowman because it's, you know, it's just them doing it, really. Yeah. Uh, but was, so it, was it that whole thing you just said that was the title? It was still a little long yeah. for my taste. The 80 words. It'd just be a Too many commas. But so uh, the rough idea yeah, is is that it it'll start with you know it'll start with literally opening the program, uh, which tools to completely ignore, which is most of them, um, and then kind of how to build how to build an asset, how to export it, how to get it, uh, how to think about it about engineering your assets such that they can actually be used in a game, and then uh, there would be little YouTube time lapses that you could go reference as well. For so each I have a I have a suggestion. What's that? Um, so I, I've done a, I've tried to crack open a whole bunch of programming books way back in the day before I knew how to program. And were they terrible? Because usually they are. They were terrible, I think, for a, a couple of reasons. Um, one was that I would often be just like instructed to do things without any understanding about where it was going. Mm-hmm. So well, now you know. I, I mean, one, we're here to build a fucking snowman, Seth. Yeah. But I think one important thing to do is to is to kick it off by showing something like the finished product and explaining like what it's going to be. Um, but then the other thing, so you had mentioned the idea of talking about what not to use or what mm-hmm. to ignore. It may be better to just never mention those things. Yeah, well, I mean, then, I, then you save reading time. I right? wanted yeah. to take, well, it would be a brief, I mean, the whole thing would be very concise because I've don't have time for blowing hot air around, but um, I think it'd be really funny just to show a picture of what the UI actually looks like to me, uh, which is essentially most just of it's gone. The- yeah. <laughs> There's like the pencil tool and that's about it. And then we're just, you know, it's off to the races. So I think it'd be a lot of fun if you guys are, if people are interested in it, um, like that'd be good for me to know. We're thinking about like putting these together and figuring out a way to like actually make, you know, a real book at the end of the day. Um, 
whether it's purely digital or ends up coming in actual print form is another question entirely. But if you're interested in it, uh, you know, send us send us a tweet or an email or something on the forums. Um, because I'm I know some people want to see it, but I'm kind of curious. Well, it's going to be what they want it's to be see, targeted you know? toward people who can't draw. Also, correct, which is the fun part because it's, it's like, like you don't not know how to do anything. No just do this stuff snowman. instead. Yeah. Okay. So it's an idea. It's it's an well. Idea. Give us it's some. Yeah. Give uh, give Sam some feedback on whether that's something that that you would like to see. This is me speaking to our listeners, uh, not to you. Yeah. Sam. That would be super weird. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's hit some questions. And these questions come hey. from podcast.bscotch.net. They are asked by uh, Bscotch ID users as well as the occasional rando. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let's just jump right into it. All right, so the first question uh, is from Mitron, or Mitron, who I believe is a brand new, a newcomer to the podcast, so welcome. And he, she asks, what inspired you to start Coffee with Butterscotch? Are there any other game dev comedy co- comedy podcasts you guys listen to and could recommend? Um, I think the, the first, like the start of Coffee with Butterscotch, there's still a video floating around, which if you haven't seen it, it's on our YouTube it, channel, on the Butterscotch YouTube channel. Yeah. It's an old one, um, and it's that was around the time we did Tal Fight, I think. It was and after Quadrupus. Quadrupus, yeah. yeah. And the goal was to make this sort of thing that we could weekly weekly produce uh, that sort of caught people up. And really the whole point of it was actually to humanize ourselves because uh, I think people generally over the internet tend to think that every every service they get or every business they interact with is this sort of huge faceless Entity And when they humanize it a bit, it seems to help as far as uh, both building a fan base, but then also just people treating us a little bit better. So uh, we wanted to, to start up this this series that did that. And the original goal was actually to have it be a video series, which is what you saw or what you'll see in that first video. But the reality is uh, that takes a lot of time. Yeah, it does. Uh, for us especially. And so, I mean, even the even doing the podcast takes, it's been an hour and a half to get all the recording stuff done. And then it used to be before we turfed the editing of it over to Fat Bard, bless his heart, um, it would take about three hours for someone to go through and, and edit the whole thing down. So it was, it's actually a big, uh, big time commitment for us that, that does, in a sense, you know, take away from games production or whatever else. And with the video on top of that, we, you know, we realized we couldn't really do it. So we just kind of dropped it for, for a long time until Adam came back on. Um, and then he was like, you know, we need, we need a better way to reach out to our people and grow this thing. And it started with, I don't even know how many listens we got in the first one, like 50. Yeah. I mean, we, we were it chilling starts like under, 50. under a hundred listens forever. Yeah. And you just slowly, you know, keep on, keep on working on it. And then slowly, slowly it's, it's been getting more people. And of course, the more people who end up playing our games, the more successful games we have, hopefully the more listenership we'll get. Uh, and the, the idea is that, is that it's not just for people who play our games, though it is, you know, more so targeted toward them. So anybody who's interested in game dev and just games in general can pop in and, and have a good time. But it's, it's sort of always, we're still evolving the thing, trying to figure out what the heck to do with it. So it's been a, it's been a weird windy, bit of a windy. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. I don't know, yeah, you- well, and it's, and it's become something though, where it's a thing that we get to do where we can just kind of unwind a bit at the top of the week. Because, you know, it's, it's easy to get really bogged down in the shit of game development. There's a lot of it. Yeah. There's a lot of it. And, I mean, it, you know, and we're about to launch this Crashlands patch, uh, I guess, tomorrow for list for day one listeners. That's going to bring with it a whole bunch of new reviews and a bunch of positivity, but also a whole bunch of negativity. Because yeah. that's, that's just part of the package. And anytime we do that kind of stuff, it's always nice to have a thing where we can go, just kind of hang out, and just get jokey and 
philosophical about some stuff and direct that towards the people who we know actually care about what we're doing. I guess it's almost like a talk therapy for us <laughs> on, yeah. a, on a yeah. weekly basis. It's a good san- sanity refresher. Yeah. Do you guys listen to any other game dev or comedy podcasts, I guess? Or game dev comedy podcasts? The main podcast I listen to besides sort of informational ones, like from NPR and stuff, uh, really the main one I listen to is Mabim Bam, my, my brother, my brother and me. Which is also yeah. three brothers. It's also three brothers. They're a little bit older than us on average, uh, but they like they're editors of Polygon and they have a, they have a basically a big podcast network and. They've been they've been at this for five plus years. Yeah, I think. but it's not a it's not a gaming podcast. It's just an it's an advice. Well, it's no. more it's more of a comedy. It's a comedy podcast disguised as an advice podcast. <laughs> so we listened to that a fair bit and and turned to it for kind of basically kind of inspiration for how to do this kind of thing well, uh, which we're still figuring out, obviously. But that's what we're. That's what our, our goal is. So I would say that one's great, but they also, probably their better one is, what is their adventure? The adventure Zone. Adventure Zone. Yeah, where they just, they play Dungeons and Dragons. With their dad. With their dad. <laughs> and it's very, it's very hilarious. Uh, but in terms of just straight up game dev, I've actually tried a whole bunch of, of game dev podcasts. Almost, almost universally, they talk about the most, the hottest new game and sort of give a play by play of their experiences within it, which, which we've also done from time to time on our podcast. Uh, but what I found is that it feels the same to me for most of those podcasts feel the same to me as reading like a PC gamer review mm, Yeah, where it's kind of a, you know, it's a handful of people spouting opinions as facts uh, in a very judgmental way, which that's what we want to do. <laughs> It just rose me the wrong way. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, there are there are some that that don't do that. But I've just I've had trouble finding something that felt like it was informative and interesting and fun to listen to without also being just overly negative. So somebody should recommend some good game dev mm. podcasts to us. How about that? Yeah, we'd love <laughs> to hear about them. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. And when you take the the critical eye towards things, there's usually a skew towards negativity, right? And I think it's it's kind of it's interesting that it, it ends up being uh, sort of sort of almost against the general comedy feel. And I, we noticed this with uh, there's one review that got published about Crashlands, you know, semi recently. Uh, it was like very late in the game. I don't remember. I think it was on Game Grin or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the reviewer was so mean. Like the guy was so mean, just like ridiculously yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, he was. That it was clear that he wasn't. He wasn't there to actually critique the game. He was there essentially to make fun of us of the game and to like crack jokes at its expense. And they weren't. They, like they didn't even feel funny. Like it was just. It literally just felt like a guy being. It, it was. Mean it was the, the you know like, the, the dude showing up and kicking over the sandcastle you just built on the beach. You know that was. Yeah, and they're looking around, and being like, "I'm just joking, guys. Just Look a prank, how funny bro. this is." Just a prank. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I think there tends to be a skew into into that a little bit with with critique, and I like the people who who manage to after years of doing you know critical work on 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 projects who manage to actually approach it with a sort of lightness. I've always found that really interesting because I feel like it's so. I mean, we've even had it just as being uh, game designers critiquing our own projects constantly, and then looking and turning over to other games, and it's so easy to just to do that to just like be mean and make fun of. We we I mean last week, the two weeks ago, I guess when we did our gaming spree. Um, all of us had to kind of remind each other. I think Adam more so uh, in a few cases had to remind us to, you know, to actually be open to playing the damn game. Like without, really without trying to find flaws immediately and re- reason. Yeah. yeah. We were trying to play division and the, and the fucking game hadn't even started yet. And Sam and Seth were just complaining at endlessly <laughs> about the game. 
and what it was what it was about to be. Well, to be fair though, it hadn't started for like thirty minutes because it was yeah, crashing. For my my problem was I was I was caught. I had to rewatch the opening uh, cutscene, which is uh, maybe three or four minutes. I had to rewatch <laughs> it six times because there's no way to skip it, and the game would crash. Like it would show me the cutscene. And then in between the cutscene and the game starting, it would crash. And then I had to reopen it. And then, yeah. I get it. But it, but we were being dicks. Let's <laughs> we just be real. We yeah, were being, we were being dicks. dicks about it. Uh, but it's one of those things, you know, like, it, it's so easy to fall into that trap the where something. Trap. And, and this is what we get. Well, this is what we get from our players, too, right? The, the players who are angry at us about something. It's not that they're just universally angry about Crashlands, except for this one guy. Right? But, <laughs> but for the most yeah, part, it's is. something happens to them in the game that is a bad experience or just not the experience they want. And because they can't do anything but turn that frustration into into rage, then just a, a single bad event basically turns them against the product and turns them against us. And, and it's one of those interesting things is no matter how hard you fight it, like it's easy to happen to anybody. I mean, this is exactly what happened to Sam and Seth when we we're trying to play the division. Well, I think what made me... Because they both had a bad start coming into it, when they actually started playing the game, oh yeah, that whole bad start bled really hard into the intro experience. So they were just like mocking it relentlessly, even though there was really nothing wrong yeah. with it once they got past the, the rough part. Yeah, and, and I think for me too, yeah, and I was personally particularly salty about it because this is the first time in probably like four or five years that I have dropped the full price for a triple A game from a huge studio. And so I did that expecting, uh, you know, a, a much higher level of, uh, like polish and testing and, and bug freeness. And, uh, and I just did, I just didn't correlate it turns know? out. So, yeah. I, so that kind of, that kind of contaminated my view of the rest of the experience. And then I, I approached it angrily from that point forward. Well, now you get it, right? When somebody drops $5 on Crashland. It's a lot for them for a mobile game. And then maybe their, maybe their game crashes right when they go to start fighting a boss. Or maybe they accidentally recycle something because they were confused by the UI. Or, you know, they're just like some little thing that just kind of like ruins their moment. Not their day. Yeah, but it does It does then ruins just their moment spill a little over bit. Into, into the rest. Well, I think it's... So we, right before uh, we started the podcast, Adam, you were talking about, uh, I think it was you, Adam, who was talking about some guy who made their game free on Steam for a week. Oh, weekend. that was me, yeah. There was a, that was you? There was a Gama um, Sutra article. Yeah, let's talk about uh, that. Uh, there's a Gama Sutra article where where somebody, they had a space game, I think it's called Fractured Space or something like that. Uh, they made their game free for a weekend on Steam. And the, the article was interesting. It, di- it didn't cover a lot of general stuff. It was just them sort of digging into player statistics and trying to figure out. They just, they just wanted a huge influx of players so they could analyze the flow of things in their game and see where their tutorial was pushing people out and stuff like that. Um, I think they were talking about that they were going to eventually make it free yeah, or something. So too. they kind of were mm-hmm. doing some experiments. So they made it free for a weekend. And they did get, I think, well over 100,000, 100-something thousand new players that weekend. Um but what one person in the comments left an interesting question, and I never I never saw whether this got answered or not, but they pointed out that they had uh, worked with a studio who had done the same thing. They made their game free for a weekend, and they were just flooded with negative reviews from all their free players, and it dropped their Steam score dramatically. So, Which is very interesting, because people who get things for free... Uh, behave very differently when it comes to the critique versus people who pay for things. Yep. And I think this is, this is an interesting point. And I think it also is a weird and interesting point when it comes to 
uh, games reviewers, just to, just to pull that whole thing back together because uh, they get all their games for free as well. Mm, that is right? true. So if you if you review games, you do not pay for games. Uh, if you're with one of the big sites, you just get a Steam code. You go you know download it, play it, and then make some comments on it. And the interesting thing is what you see, and we we've noticed this with our free to play titles. And we talked about this a bit uh, with our overall approach to going actually more toward uh, paid. Is that free to play players in general are ex- are much more negative. Uh, with regards to how they perceive the experience. You can have the same game, and if you're charging uh, two bucks for it versus making it free, I would I would wager, as that Steam guy probably saw, that what you're going to see is a much better review score on the $2 version than on the free version. And it's not just because of the volume of people who are getting through and therefore, you know, more bugs, whatever else, but I think it's mainly because if you just look over how people how people actually react to this thing, uh, it 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 appears that when something is free, people are essentially more uh, more well, they, negative. I think they value it. it lower. Just right, yeah. right. But I think they're, they're the the other side of that though is the interesting psych part, which Seth you teased out earlier, which is that there's some there's this concept in psychology called cognitive dissonance, and it basically follows that. Uh, rather than the the traditional view of a human being being that your thought is what inspires uh, your action, the reality is, for the most part, that your action is actually what inspires your thought. So what I mean by so that is... your brain is, is constantly trying case, to reconcile what you're doing and the decisions that you've made. Exactly. <laughs> so in the, in the case of something like cognitive dissonance, uh, if you were to, say, go spend $60 on a AAA title, um, it is the case that you as a person do not like bad things, right? You wouldn't spend $60 on a piece of garbage. Just not because you have good, because you have better good judgment and stuff. And so if it's the case that you buy a game that costs you something, costs you a good amount of cash in this case, in the case of crash lanes, like $5 on mobile is essentially equivalent to, you know, 60 bucks <laughs> on steam as far as people are concerned. So, um, what ends up happening there is that there is some cognitive dissonance that, that the player ends up having to resolve because, they spent a bunch of money on something, and if it's the case that that thing is bad, then in some interesting ways, and there's been plenty of experiments on this, you guys should definitely look it up because it's super weird and neat. Um, if that is the case, that they bought something that's they paid money for, then the expectation is actually that it's, not even the expectation, but the outcome is simply that it's good. Uh, the outcome is more likely to be that it's good. Even if it's perceived as bad, it's perceived as less bad. Exactly. Than it otherwise would have yeah, been. right. And so uh, I think with with free to play and with paid games, there's an important caveat here, though, that I want to hit, which is if when you buy the game, you feel in some way that you have to or that before or that at the time of buying it, you feel like it's more expensive than it should be. So you've sort of passed this judgment that you're already making a bad. You're already sort of making a bad investment. Sure. Then I think it probably pushes it way the other direction, because this is like this is what happened with you guys when we when you both paid 60 bucks to buy the division. It's right? exactly right. Yeah. As you were pissed that you were paying that much. Cause like, like Seth said, he hasn't done that. Well, for not years. only that, but it's, it's not a game that I was interested in and I was, yeah. So you also I felt, had, like, I felt you like I had, had to. to do that because I was, everybody was talking about it, but it was playing it and I wanted to explore the game and kind of see what it was all about, you know? So it wasn't something that I was necessarily looking forward to doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that I think in that scenario, then, then having, having to pay for a game must work, must actually end up giving more negativity than if, yeah, if it was but it's generally free. not going to be the case for most players that they feel like they had to buy the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it does mean though, that if your if your game feels overpriced for what it is, and this is, this you see happen over and over again for, and we talked about this in the past too, where when people think of the value of a game as how much time you spend in it. Then, if there's a mismatch between what how a player views the price of the game versus how much 
quote-unquote content it has, which they just mean time spent in it, I guess, uh, then you see a lot of negativity around that. So if you look at like the negative reviews of, say, Monument Valley. Or Firewatch. Or, or Firewatch. Or The Witness, right? Although Witness has plenty of time and people feel like it's the same thing over and over again, right? Sure. But definitely with Firewatch and like Monument Valley, which are both, uh, you know, reasonably reasonably priced games for the for the interestingness and production value and all of that. But they're short games in terms of just how long it takes to get from start to finish. And so then there's a there's a strong backlash against that because people buy the game thinking this this dollar tag means that I'm going to get a certain amount of stuff out of this. And then when they don't, yeah. now they're pissed about it. <laughs> right. So, so there are these other cases where, backfire. where, and yeah, where it can backfire, where an expectations mismatch between how a game is priced and what the game has in it and, you know, and what the player values can also lead to more negative comments. So th- these are all basically saying you got to understand what it is your players think is important, not what you think is important, but what your players think is important and try to price or use a, uh, a financial model that your players will appreciate feel like is yeah, that they'll, that they'll feel like is fair without actually having, without going so far to the, to the fair to player side that it's really unfair to, to the developer. And it's, so if you take like the price model of Crashlands, um, we wanted to charge more than five bucks for it on mobile. Uh, but we knew that players would see that as unfair, even though it's so we didn't. Even though it's as fi- at fifteen dollars on Steam, it's totally reasonable, right? Yeah, and we would have loved to have charged twenty dollars on Steam, but we knew we're an, we're an unknown developer. We're making a you know a two D game, uh, and so so we wanted to price it a little bit lower so that players went in without thinking that their expectations had been in some way violated or without thinking I paid a whole bunch for this game more than I really should have. This better be worth it. Cause then they come in with the, the wrong, right, just, just as a kind of a start. final thought on, on that before we, uh, before we hit the next question, I think it's, it is definitely the case that you can't use your own thoughts about the value of the game as a developer to price it. Uh, because you know, you put two years of your life into this thing or whatever. <laughs> and you know, for you personally, maybe you, you gave up tens of thousands of dollars of salary that you could have gotten, you know, working somewhere else or something to, to make this game. So you can't charge tens of thousands of dollars for the game. Like that's, you know, that's insane. So that happened. Yeah. Well, I think this leads to, this leads to an interesting, uh, other question from map five, five, nine, seven, who asks, uh, or points out, you're providing a pretty good salary for the new person. And are you guys going to continue then making paid games or just use that butter up system? And how much time on average do you expect each game from here on out to take? So that's funny that he says that we're providing a good salary because we've gotten. Oh yeah. You want to, you want to talk about that? I mean, we, we can. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, we decided, it weird? we it decided weird. to go ahead and put the salary uh, on the job description. A lot of companies don't do that. And I think it's kind of weird, but I mean, I understand because there's all kinds of negotiations that happen and stuff. And, a lot of times, company will just try to lo- lowball employees to try to get as much out of them as possible. Uh, but we thought we would just put the number down and just stick to it. And if pe- if it doesn't sound reasonable to somebody, then they just don't apply, right? Um, and that's fine. But we have gotten a number of comments from people who are upset at how low the salary is, uh, which is interesting because it's actually I think it's a well above the median for well, it's it's actually it's about the average for a games program for a games programmer, yeah. Uh, and and also our intention is yeah, but for a software engineer, it's definitely low. Yeah, okay. and, and the, that's that's an issue with basically in the games. Well, and also I would point out that it's basically what we can afford. So you know, it doesn't really matter. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's why we can't really selected it. Can't that's really all my, I just want to point out my favorite part of this is that it's like we've been struggling for three years, right? Uh, getting paid either nothing or very close to it. And then finally we're able to pay ourselves and we're paying this person the equivalent of what we pay ourselves as far as salary is concerned, mm-hmm. right? So it was just, I think it just like, it cracked me up on a, like on an annoyed level that I don't know if I can like <laughs> communicate <laughs> to have someone be like, oh, that's not I need more. Enough. I'm going to bring a lot more to the, yeah, to the table. Yeah. And I'm like, who the, f- who, the f- <laughs> who the fuck are you? Like what? Well, but it, it, it is true even, that we have a skewed per, per, eh, perspective about this because of the fact that we've basically foregone three years of, of decent income or some income at all in, in some cases. Sure. But I mean, there's also the question of, you know, like it's to me, it's not even about like our, our goal. I think the other thing is we, we think about the salary a little bit differently when it comes to uh, value add. And then also when it comes to the fact that if you make 60K and part of the reason we're talking about living in St. Louis is that if you make 60K in St. Louis, that just gets you you know, to you're the moon fine. as far as, yeah, as far as life is concerned. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't work if you're in, you know, San Francisco or something, but it was, it was, well, it was I'll just, just I'll interesting getting that, that, that reaction. So just to kind of actually kind of reveal some of our, cause we always say, oh yeah, like we didn't really make very much, blah, blah, blah. Um, Sam was at 18 K a year for the first mm-hmm. two years of our studio existing. Um, and he did not have, uh, spousal support at the time that, that that was the case, et cetera. Uh, because his fiance was going to college. So, uh, and yeah, we weren't, we weren't that serious yeah, yet, but, you know, uh, take at, up at that time he still had spending money left over at the end of each month. <laughs> um, yeah. Or was breaking even, right? So uh, St. Louis is just a cheap place to live, and especially if you're intelligent about it. So yeah, it's right. And then you were making, you didn't make any money for the first. I made zero for the year? first eighteen months, and then I was getting uh, yeah. five hundred dollars a month. So whatever that right. comes out to, six thousand a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, About a bag of toothpaste. It's not a. It's not, not a lot. lot. Um, right. So I think it's just it was. I, I, I don't know how to feel about it, I guess. Maybe maybe I don't actually know how to feel about it because, like you said, Seth, we're sort of... We have a skewed in the trenches for so long. Right, but I think it just... It felt weird because it was like... And we even got the comment from uh, from some people in the local community about, like, oh, that seems like a low salary. And it's like, you guys have seen us struggling for three years. I don't like... It was just... To it us, it's just so an astronomical like, amount. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like the, that we that we could actually offer that genuinely to you know one of our fellow community members who might join the team or or just you know some perhaps a remote person or whatever uh, is so cool to us and like we're so yeah excited we come out we're like look guys we're able, we're this, able to like, do this uh, and people are like Pff, just now you know this cracks me up it hasn't been all or even no no we just we've gotten that comment no, but I mean you know times, but you know how humans are I mean negative stuff sticks out right yeah but it's been like th- I, I want to say I've seen three comments that were negative, <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> but I've seen like 10 of people who were super pumped and felt like that was that was fair uh, but but I want to I want actually you know we're focusing on the numbers here and I, I don't think that's actually very important I think the interesting or like to us we, you know, we, we value ourselves and, and our future employees as people. And our goal is not to pay them as little as possible. Uh, we don't, we're not going to negotiate salaries and try to lowball it as hard as we can, right? We're going to try to provide what we think is a fair salary that we can afford as a company, which is the biggest problem right now. And that we know is enough to support a human, a human being, and like let them be alive and pay their bills and do all or that. Or multiple humans. 
have them not be worried about their finances. Now, a lot of that, of course, is on the person because if they spend their money stupidly, then they're going to always be worrying about their finances. <laughs> That's true. But if you if you pay somebody too little, because I mean, there's a limit where you know if you're paying somebody thirty k a year or something like that, almost no matter where you live, you can't. People can't really save on on certain certain yeah, salaries. True. Yeah, you can't really be comfortable at that. Point. Yeah, you can't be comfortable. You can't save. You can't have an emergency fund. There's all this kind of stuff that can't happen at certain levels of income. And to, to me, it's been amazing to see businesses that start there yeah, or, or that, that negotiate, that try to negotiate down to those kinds of levels instead of saying, what's kind of the minimum level that, that a person can be comfortable as a human being on and let's try to get there or above it. Well, and that's also, and that's what we want to do. And so we found the number that we were like, okay, what, what the company can afford that is also an acceptable minimum for a human being to live off of is, is what we are providing. And, and as the company becomes more established and as our employees are with us for longer periods of time, like, yeah, we're going to pay them as much as we think the company can afford to pay them. And it's not about paying them as little as possible. So to me, that's been the interesting thing is I think, I think probably a lot of this is that people are assuming when they see the salary that we're putting up there that because it's low, it's low compared to like a software engineer, then they're gonna look at that and be like, Oh, you guys are trying to pay your employees as little as possible. Cause that's the assumption. Just like when we, you know, have IAPs and a free to play right. game. Yeah, it's fair. They're like, you're an evil company. You're trying to screw us. Yeah. Whereas, and they don't, they don't know us. They don't know that well, yeah. that's the best we can do and that we actually will continue to do better and pay people more. Well, also, I mean, like the us. reality is this, which is that we don't, there are three of us. We are going to get, uh, you know, an extra person and we're going to be working, you know, ideally in the ideal scenario, you're working in the same space. Like, and we'll be working out of one of our houses. Like we're inviting someone into our, our, our family. Homes. And our essentially our family, which is why we like we phrase it as such, like come join the butterscotch family. Like it's not a I guess it it's we we don't view it perhaps as as corporately as uh, as people generally do view, you know, job stuff, I guess. And I think maybe that's where the rub comes from. And I I think I've always had a little bit of a, a knee jerk rage reaction to feeling like I've been misread, you know, when you're like, Oh, I'm doing this and then someone's like, No, you're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, I'm not. You know, so uh, they're like, prove that you're not. I don't believe you. Or that yeah. shit. Like when when Crashlands was getting, it still is getting just you know straight like four point seven star reviews or whatever on the the platforms. Um, and we've had people go in and accuse us of sock puppeting and manufacturing manufacturing fake reviews. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or 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 of us sock puppeting reddit users and to go on and post things about crash and stuff which like that's so aggravating <laughs> i don't know why right because because it doesn't matter nobody actually believes these crackpots so, right? i mean well that's that's the problem do. yeah is that some people actually do not not very many yeah but it's, it's tiny it's tiny tiny numbers well it's like yeah, it's it like actually, sam was it saying actually it's matter. when when something negative happens then that's the thing that sticks out you could get a thousand good reviews and if you have one person who just hates the thing you made you know it's it's just it just sticks out in your mind. I mean, that's why we, we talked well, about that. Geek, what is it called? Geek something geek, whatever review where that person just totally game, hated crash game grin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, but I think, I mean, I think the interesting thing about it though, is that there's, I think what, what people maybe don't, don't see when it comes to that sort of uh, like what, what happens when someone posts some, you know, bullshit comment like that on say the Android subreddit or the iOS gaming subreddit um, or whatever. The problem is that what it does uh, to us. So there's there's the question of two perceptions here. One is of the community, the community's perception overall of a developer, and the other is of a developer's perception of a community. 
And you actually need both to be in positive standing in order for there to be any actual relationship there whatsoever. And the interesting thing to me is that when when that sort of thing pops up, even if it is one person, if it's one person in the Android subreddit or something, that actually devalues to us the, our time spend in that community. Yeah, right? even when we know it's a super minority opinion. Well, it's, right. I wouldn't say it so devalues... Like it doesn't devalue the way we view the community. It just makes it so that we view spending time with that community as a possible stressor. Yeah. Like as a, as, as a in, risk. if we jump into that community, suddenly we're going to have these this angry person, maybe a, one or two angry people who lashes out at us for no reason, and then that makes us not want to go there as much. Right. And so it's it's very interesting because we've I mean we've talked about how we don't actually we don't actually use the Steam forums at all because precisely because of this reason, which is that since there's no good, you know, moderation tools or anything like that, it's just not possible to actually have a culture created where that sort of behavior is is minimum minimized, you know. And uh, it's because it's the Steam community culture. And the Steam community culture like like the Reddit culture and other other broader cultures for these sort of general sites. Uh, has never ever been modulated in a, or, or has never been socially modulated in a valuable way. And as it a consequence, just, you can't just like there. try to, you can't tame a corner of it. Yeah, it's just there. And and because it's never been tamed, then no matter what little corner you try to you know focus on, you can't change it. You can't change the culture in that area because the the broader culture is too toxic. And people just come in with the expectation that. Hey, this is a developer on the Steam forums. My job is to or, harass. Them. Well, it's more like right. I I am thinking about paying, you know, $10 or $15 for this game. Therefore, this developer has to kind of bow to my whims to get my money. You know? <laughs> it's like right. when people yeah. yeah, exactly. one star and they're like fix this one little bug that's bothering me or else I'm going to keep this one star review here, you know. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, uh, that doesn't really anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, my favorite part of this, though, is that there are, there are devs who are kind of aggressively, uh, aggre- I guess, I don't know how to say, aggressively independent of this stuff. So Gary Newman, the guy who made Rust, <laughs> this is the news item for the past week, by the way, which uh, Rust does this thing. It's a, survi- it's a 3D survival crafting sort of uh, shooting game on Steam. And your character, you don't get to actually make your character in the game. Your character is determined by using your Steam ID. Uh, the game actually reads your <laughs> Steam ID and permanently binds a randomized character model based on the seed of your Steam not, ID. Not your Steam user your account. Like your actual ID yeah, number ID. that you can't change. Yeah, it's unchangeable. Yeah, it's immutable. And so the first part of this was that so it started off that everybody was just white dudes. That was because they had like a model and that's what they did. Um, then they added race into the equation. Of course, so they defaulted to a white dude as the default model. But it was also hilarious because when it was defaulted to a white male, like there were no complaints about right. anything about the game. Right. They're just like, "Oh, this is just a regular." Dude. <laughs> and then they added, then they added, uh, they added the race component. So this was hilarious. So suddenly, half the population is now black. Randomly, uh, randomly. Did they, did they have other there's races? Only, there's only just, black. There's just not, two. No, I think it's just okay. white and black. And then uh, next, they added, uh, they actually have genitalia in the game. And the size of your genitalia is also determined by your Steam ID. It's so, <laughs> people, people, and you start out naked. It's like you can see everybody's parts, you know. <laughs> like, so people are getting mad because they're like, they're a white dude with a tiny dick or something. <laughs> in this game. And it's just like the funny. And then last week they they added gender in. So the funny thing. Oh, about that was just was last week. The, I knew they were planning on it. it was People just were already week. up in arms just from hearing about it. But you should read if you want like a good laugh. Just go <laughs> go to the Steam forums for Rust. 
because people are so upset that it is phenomenal. Some people. Um, you should be careful. Not not for a good laugh, exactly. Because you'll also for be a laugh at how oh, yeah. stupid people can be. But yes, you will become enraged. Yeah. So. So the best part about this is they add, so they add the female thing. And the interesting thing is the females don't actually have hair yet. So they're all bald. Uh, <laughs> they're really doing this is, piecemeal, huh? <laughs> yeah, they're really... <laughs> so they're all bald, but you're... But it's the same thing. Like, the, the parts that come with the gender are also modified based on your Steam ID. And Although, like, wait, you know, hold on a second. What? When they add a new subtype of person, do people's existing characters change to that? Or yes. is it only for... Yes. Okay. Hence, hence, I think a lot of the rage where it's not just that I think in this case, it's not just that maybe you finally got used to like being a black man in this game. Now you're a black woman and like, you know, that, that comes with, now you got your other. And that just, that took your bigotry one step too far. <laughs> yeah. you're like, can't. I can't, I can't handle being a misogynist <laughs> and a racist at the same time in this game. This is too There's much like real life now. Dissonance, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're so a racist a, misogynist in real life. And now you can't, you know, either you got to reconcile that by playing this game with your black woman or, you know, yeah, that's uh, right. So I think uh, it's 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 fun to watch some developers sort of not care, you know, I think a lot. And and the reality is, of course, that Rust is still very, very popular and most people don't care. Like most people think that's an interesting factor of the game is the fact that you actually have this this randomized thing happen. So it is it is always a minority thing. But the reality is like they're so loud. The coalition so of screaming babies stuff. is always there. Yeah, that I think it's... Well, it's, they're also really aggressive, though, because these are the same kinds of people who will, you know, band together. Because even if you take a small group of 20 people who are just slightly internet savvy and enraged enough, they can do real damage. They know where to go to hit developers. And so this is, I mean, to me, this is actually the biggest problem of all this stuff is that it's a all of it's problem. really bad anyway, but they, they come together... And then like foster this intense hatred and, and, and wanted to actually take action on it. And then they find ways to do it that are just really, really horrible in real life. Well, I sometimes wonder about this though, because so for example, there's a, there's like a parks, a parks, uh, like nonprofit in the area. And all they do is people volunteer and then they're like, go to this garden bed that's at this block and go weed it once a week. You know, like they tell people what to do. And I just wonder, you know, how much how much good could be done if we were able to constructively harness the rage of the internet and make them <laughs> for, pull weeds. <laughs> I mean, yeah, make them pull, pull weeds, but in a metaphorical sense, you know. Um, but the idea is like it's just it's it's people. I don't know. It's just it's weird to me that people band together so thoroughly uh, online to, to do, do harm. What are actually harmful acts, like like with that specific intent. But in the real world, I think, like, I don't know anybody who's, like, a part of a group that got established to, like, fuck up real world I mean, those things. groups are clearly, clearly exist. I think I think it's just oh, yeah, harder they to... do, for sure. It's... The, the internet is, serves as, a, as an echo chamber. You know, wherever you go, you can find a community of like-minded people. And if you are a total dickbag, that's not as easy to do in the real world. It's very it's easy extremely to easy to do. That. Yeah, <laughs> so you, you can find people who who mirror your beliefs. Um, well, but not only that, I mean, in the same way that it then looks to us as like the people making a creative product, that there's a lot of hate for what we do because those are the people who scream at us the loudest. When you're a person that's part of that echo chamber, you also feel like, hey, everybody hates this too. What I'm doing right. totally <laughs> is reasonable. It makes sense, right? Right. But it's just not the case in both directions. It's just not the case. So what's the lesson here? Do do positive people need to be louder about stuff? I think stuff? the lesson is haters going to hate, you know? That's right. <laughs> 
there is a true responsibility for platforms that allow for comments and and users to congregate and socialize in some way to actually moderate this shit. Because the the only reason that this stuff exists is because the platforms allow it to exist. That's true. That's true. Well, that's why I love Bscotch ID because we have our don't be a jerk policy. And if somebody's a jerk, you, you're done. No more no more yeah, Bscotch games now and forever for you, buddy. All right, well, let's uh, let's lighten this up a little bit with a question from Alan Falcon, who asks, if you could only eat one food for a week straight, what other food would you most be craving by the end Let of the Let me tell you week? something, Alan Falcon. I once ate the same food for a year. I felt pretty good about it. But what do you mean the same food, though? Was it the same the same every meal, like breakfast, yeah. lunch, dinner? When I when I was in law school, I this, this was when I was super busy uh, with going to class and uh, doing law work, and I was also trying to teach myself game dev stuff. And so I went through all the different things in my life that took time and energy and thought, and I just streamlined the fuck out of them. And one of those things was food, uh, because some people, I'm not one of those people, but some people believe that you need to have a huge variety of of food items uh, in order to be healthy or happy or, or whatever. And I just kind of looked at it as fuel for my brain. So I, uh, I came up with a, with a recipe that hit all the food groups. It had some carbs, it had some uh, protein, it had a whole bunch of mixed vegetables and stuff. And uh, that's what I ate. I just, wouldn't you make like 10 pounds I would every, on Sundays? Was well, every, I, I would cook it like three times a week. Um, and it would last me, you know, a good three days. It was like eight pounds of food. And that's, I just, I would just remake that and I could make it super fast and it just in huge quantities. And then I just never had to think about food ever. Maybe you should, uh, maybe you should share this, <laughs> this speed <laughs> recipe on the, <laughs> on the forums or something. I could. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty freaking straightforward, but yeah. To get at the question, was there something you craved during that year of eating the same thing repeatedly? I mean, you must've gone out places periodically. Yeah, I did. I mean, I didn't, I didn't only, uh, eat like, as far, as far as my normal meals and stuff, that was, that was it. But yeah, if I was going to go meet friends or I go to a coffee shop or something, then I would get something there. But right. So was there a thing that you craved on top of that? Uh, not really. No. I mean, I, I, I occasionally ate, you know, chocolate, but that's just, that's just always a constant sort of craving a constant current underneath everything. Yeah. The yeah. So to me, this question has two parts though, right? Cause one is you're only allowed to eat one thing. So you have to choose that thing. And the other one is now that you've chosen that thing, what el- what is it that now you're going to end up craving at the end of the? I think mine's pretty easy, which is that. So say say I could only eat like meat, just straight up meat for a week. You'd probably go the opposite um, direction for your craving, right? Yeah, exactly. I think what I'd actually want at the end of the day is not a sugary thing, but actually some just, just a goddamn some a- damn apple vegetables. or a carrot. <laughs> yeah, well, like an apple and just like a just a pound of green beans. Like string beans that haven't been cooked or anything that are just like cold. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I'll say I I've oh, spent yeah. a, a good amount of time living in India. Um, I've about I've got about four months of of India living under my belt. Uh, and while I'm there, I almost exclusively eat vegetarian food. And it definitely is the case that there there was actually a, there was a two week stretch where I didn't eat any meat, and I had lost like ten pounds over that two weeks and everything I ate was really, really spicy and just like hurt my face. And I felt like I wasn't getting the normal sustenance out of it. And there was a point that I just, I just became enraged. I was just like, I'm, I'm going to find an animal and I'm going to eat it. And that's how it's (laughs) going to be. 
I'm gonna punch it to death on the street and swallow. <laughs> so yeah, it I guess it is true that if if you can only eat one food, just like a you know a very narrow category, like just vegetables, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I feel like you kind of you swing it to whatever that opposing. Yeah, that's probably true. Is. I would say no matter what I eat, I always crave sweet stuff. Even yeah. if I eat sweet stuff, I want oh, more. Oh, speaking of, it. of which, I, so I I've been six cookies. Yeah, I've been uh, taking uh, I've been taking time off of eating sweets and and drinking booze, and I've. A sweet, boozy hiatus. Uh, I think I'm like not, three weeks in, although this this weekend our grandpa was in town, so I did eat a dessert. Um, but, man, I feel I feel super good. Just all, <laughs> you, you shut your head all mouth. around. Yeah, and, and I walked in. I went to, into Walgreens. I walked past the candy section. I felt nothing. Just, just man, nothing. That's, that's a feat. That's a feat of human strength right there. Once you get on the other side of the craving, you're actually just fine. Because I, I found this to be the case, too. That anytime I decide to give up something for a while, it sucks for like a week, and then it's fine. Yeah. The problem, of course, is then if you ever do it again, now you're right back at the swing of... Unless you of wait long enough. So soda is an interesting one of these, because for anybody who drinks a lot of soda, A, stop it, B... Uh, you mean Coke or pop? It's a huge waste of money. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Whatever, whatever part of the country you're from. But, uh, but for or anybody other who drinks countries. soda... There's an interesting thing that happens if you just drink only water for like a month. Because when you go back and try to drink like a Coca-Cola or something, it's actually... It's horrible. Really <laughs> hard to do. Like I, I, it tastes great. Like the first sip, you're like, oh yes, like everything I remember about pop. You're going to have a hard time and finishing then that. Though. You get, yeah, you get like a quarter of the way and you're like, I... <laughs> feel like I'm going to be violently ill. Like, this is not going to go well. Yeah, I so. can only drink diet soda now. And yeah. I love sweet stuff, but even still, I can only, like, a can of regular old root beer or something just makes me want to die. Well, and Sam, <laughs> you're trying to cut uh, coffee out, which is I am, you know, kind so of I had blasphemous on coffee with butterscotch, but what are you going to do? Yeah, well, it's going to be, yeah, coffee and tea with butterscotch soon. Oh, speaking of which, just to throw this in real quick, because I forgot about it. We're getting uh, the wonderful painter, Eric Hibbler, who does all of our box art, is making a uh, coffee with butterscotch oh, yeah. art piece. Um so it should be done, I don't know, in probably two weeks or so. Um, <laughs> really excited to unveil that thing. But back to the point. Uh, yeah, so that is blasphemous, given that it's coffee with butterscotch. But, uh, you know. Deal with it. We usually do it in the afternoon anyways, so the coffees are gone. But the thing that happened to me is actually that on Saturday, Diane and I woke up and she was like, I want to go look at some cats because I want to get a cat. And I was like, okay. So we went and we found a few uh, cat adoption places where we go basically just, just play with kitties for the, the morning. That was the plan. And so... I chug a cup of coffee and then go. And I usually have two cups of coffee by noon or so. I woke up late and then I had this one cup of coffee. And by about, I think like one, without that second cup, I had been reduced to a feeble, mindless, quivering blob of a man. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it. And I was like, this is so dumb that if I don't drink a particular liquid in the morning, then I don't exist as a human being. So just to play devil's advocate here. Sure, devil. If you were to stop eating, you would also turn into a quivering mass of human. Uh -huh. So what makes what makes coffee be the thing that you should not? I think rely it's just on? that it's optional, probably. Yeah, yeah it's the <laughs> optional. <laughs> I don't think those are quite the same thing, but but it's the same thing. Like like it's it should be equally frustrating that you have to eat food. It is. I mean, Seth solved that with the previous point. It like, is, but I, yeah, I think I've I think it's just the, the issue of if you don't eat food, you will just die. But if you yeah. don't drink coffee, you're just going to kind of feel bad for a while, and then you'll be completely fine again. Right. As you guys are very well aware, you guys meeting the two brothers also in this podcast, <laughs> I've been 
a ridiculous caffeine addict since I was like eight. Wait, did we talk about the time where you drank all that espresso and almost died? I don't have think we we've talked, talked about, about that. We have not talked about that. We should here. go there. Let's go there. Let's <laughs> <laughs> to, to start the story, though. You want to talk about my poetry past? We'll talk about I, your espresso I, past. I had uh, I had migraines as as a little kid, and they were idiopathic, which is a fancy doctor talk for we don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> 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 we, you know, we did the MRI thing. They tested all kinds of shit. And basically, they were like, you got a brain. Looks fine, I guess. There's nothing obvious. Based on this MRI, we can determine that brain. <laughs> it, so so I had idiopathic migraines. And just and to me, this is one of the most hilarious things about medicine. Like, once you know the word idiopathic, you'll hear it all the time. Like, you'll, you'll go to a physician and they'll be like, yeah, he's got idiopathic uh, gastric reflux. And you're like, ooh, that sounds like bad or fancy. It's like, nope, it just says you've got ingestion and nobody knows why. We know what's happening. We have no clue why or how to stop it. <laughs> so so anyway, so so I had these migraines. They suggested trying a bunch of different stuff to treat them, and it just turned out that caffeine did a really good job. So I was actually taking caffeine pills when I was a, a wee child. And then our parents were like, that's dumb. Let's just give you coffee because it's also got caffeine in it because I had to like go to the nurse's office every day before lunch to take half of a caffeine pill right like just stupid <laughs> so I started having morning coffee instead so I've been having coffee just forever and and, and for a long time because for me it was a dependency like food right because if if I don't have caffeine within a few hours of waking up you cease to function I get a migraine and that's just the end of my day and at various points of time, I've tried to like wean myself back off and that'll work for a while, but then the migraines come back. And so, so it's just something that I have to do. For the longest time, I was just so pissed off and aggravated about this because there was this dependency where just like Sam, I was like, why should I have to get up and like have to get this liquid in my body ASAP or else like I'm just fucked? Though, to be fair, I feel like yours is is slightly more I mean, like mine's a, a medical situation. dependency, sure. Yeah, it's more like a food situation, you know? But the point here, though, is that I felt the same way about it mm -hmm. for a long time. And then at some point I was just like, hold on, I like coffee. When I drink it, I feel nice and I don't get headaches. Even just ignoring the whole chemical dependency thing. And I have access to it wherever I go because America. I'm fortunate enough to, <laughs> to, to have that access. It's not a it's not a difficult dependency to deal with. So then at some point I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not even gonna worry about this ever again. I'm just gonna wake up, instantly have my coffee, and just live my life. But the yeah. story, the important story that you're glossing over completely. <laughs> In high school, actually, no, this is. Wait, this I want to tell this because I remember. Yeah, let's Seth tell. Let's someone else I tell was, it because this would be hilarious. I was there. Well, I wasn't there for the for the initial part where Adam. So we were going to play paintball. And, and I already had a migraine. Adam was already struggling. And so. He said, you know what would be good if I had my friends shoot me at high speed with a ball. Yeah. Well, Adam wasn't going to let something like a crippling migraine get in the way of being shot in the face. So yeah, I wasn't like vomiting at or anything. No. So Adam and his friends were like, we're just going to make a quick run into town. We didn't live in town, but we're going to make a quick run into town and get some get some coffee and snacks. So they went over to was it Grinnell Coffee Company. Mm -hmm. And yes, Adam just said to the to the barista who had no medical training, uh, <laughs> give me the highest amount of caffeine you can fit into the largest container you have. <laughs> and his, his response was, so you just, you just want 20 ounces of espresso. And at this time I was like a shitty coffee drinker. Like I just drank whatever crappy thing was around me. I didn't really understand what different kinds of coffee were. And you also didn't understand that caffeine is in fact, there's a limit. <laughs> A drug you can overdose on. 
so so Adam gets his twenty ounce espresso shot. Twenty espresso shots in yeah, one. Yeah, it is container. literally twenty espresso shots, just to be clear. Yeah, and, that's how much caffeine there was. And he just he just fucking downs well, it. Yeah, I have a question. Did you just like swill this? Was this just like? Uh, did you just drink it like on the spot? I drank it on the way home. He drank but, it on the, the way, but the way home. home. Is the way home is six minutes from Grinnell yeah, Coffee? He coffee. downed that thing, and yeah. so he gets there and. We're like, okay, let's get this paintball match started because the rest of us were just kind of waiting around for these guys to get back. We're all ready to go. So they, you know, they put their mask. We all wore masks. Safety first, guys, when it comes mm-hmm. to paintball. Yeah. So we put our masks on and we we go out and we start we start playing the match. And then after just like five minutes, uh, we just see Adam, like he kind of runs out of the woods or something <laughs> and just kind of like lays down on the ground. And we're like, <laughs> what? So we we call the, we, we stop the, the paintball match and we go over there and Adam is just like, just pale, just, just ghostly pale and just sweat, just beads of sweat rolling off of his entire head. Um, and we're like, this is bad and none of us none of us who were already home knew about the fact that he downed 20 shots of espresso before coming to play paintball so so we kind of like hobbled him up and got him into the house and we called our uh we called our our mother and we're like hey uh something's wrong with adam like he's super sick and she's like well did he eat anything did he eat blah 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 and then one of adam's friends was like well i mean we did go to we got, went and got some coffee and she's like well what did he have and they're like oh he had 20 shots of espresso <laughs> and so, and so for and so then uh, she was just like, get he, he needs to drink water now, like just a shit ton of water. Um, Got to pee that stuff out. Yeah, you just because the problem is you could you, you can throw actually, it up. Uh, or was it too far? Because like it absorbs into your body real fast. So like, could you get it out, or was it sort of like it'll come out? Like if you if you put enough water in your system, that the water is constantly coming out. Yeah, but the, the trouble is, you know, caffeine dehydrates you. Um, and, and your kidneys have to process it. And without, you know, adequate hydration and with all that basically poison in your body, your, your kidneys can actually suffer some, some pretty serious damage, uh, trying to get rid of all this crap. So she was just like, you need to fix this. And your caffeine takes actually many, many hours to get through a six hour half-life. Yeah. And, and that's a half-life. So it's not all gone. Just half of it's gone. (laughs) So There were only 10 shots of espresso left after six hours. Yeah. So Adam was just like, so. So he couldn't move because he was feeling so sick, and he had an even worse headache from the fact that he drank 20 shots of espresso. And he well, was, that was also before I learned that I actually can't use caffeine to treat my headaches, only to prevent them. Yes. Mm. So once you already have one, it's a game over. So I had a migraine when I did this to, in principle to treat so my you already So you had a migraine throughout this whole experience. Yeah, so the migraine just got worse <laughs> instead of but actually getting fixed. You're so hyped up that you can't, like, for a moment, you can't lose sl- consciousness. Yeah, you can't <laughs> sleep it off. You can't. That dose puts you on the, like, way on the other side of, of like, a normal, like, I wasn't jitter or anything. I was just, like, in a totally different kind of state of <laughs> could you Could you see sounds? I was levitating <laughs> objects with my mind. Like, there was all kinds of shit. Did you hallucinate? No, I didn't hallucinate. No, he just had telekinesis for a while. <laughs> I, I just oh, developed. Okay. I mean, this, this is like a superhero origin story. You know? It's a shitty X-Man kind of ability. Like you got to drink 20 shots of espresso and then you get mild telekinesis for like 15 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty terrible. Less than ideal. So how's the story end though? What's the rest? It just ended with Adam laying in bed for like 25 hours. Yeah, it took dr- a full day just, to like, recover. Us bringing jugs of water to him in rotation. Uh, before he could finally <laughs> get it all out of the system and sleep. 
Uh, it's amazing. So it was a little rough. That that paintball outing was not was it was not in the top five. Adam, didn't say. you also get shot in the throat when we were paintballing one time? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was. A, I think it was actually Keaton, Seth's friend, um, like popped up out of a bush, like just fifteen feet away from me. So we have very close range, and just managed to shoot me because like your face mask, you know, goes like protects your neck a little bit, but managed to get like just at the perfect angle and spot so that it just slapped me right in the. <laughs> but Adam's you were apple. but you were yelling something at the time, so it was like you were just like, "Hey, I got it," and then and then just yeah. like. <laughs> Totally cut off. It closed my throat for a moment. It's like I couldn't breathe for a few a few seconds, and it like popped back open or whatever the hell. However that works. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Adam standing up and going, "Hey guys, I got a." It was uh, that was also less than ideal. Yeah, I mean, do you guys remember times, we used to we used to go out at night when it was dark, and we'd we'd wear paintball masks and tape flashlights to them, so like we had like a headlight sort of with slingshots and paintballs. This was this? this was before we were allowed to play paintball. Yeah, we would we just get a bag of paintball. We could still buy the paintballs with our grocery store money or whatever that we. Uh, and then we would just, but then we would. So you basically slingshotting them at, at lights because that's that's how you know the other person was there. But the the funny thing about paintballs is they're. The way they work is that at a certain speed of, of traveling <laughs> through the air is how they're is when they're designed to blow up, right? Because there's 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 these hard little balls, uh, but if they go fast enough, then they break. And and for anybody who knows anything about physics, when it breaks, it all that all that energy is dissipated into the breaking process, right? So instead of being Put into the human. It's kind of like hits. how cars have crumple zones. Yeah, exactly. exactly you, right. you use that so that the energy gets gets dissipated in the crumpling or the paintball explosion process. But it turns out that slingshots don't throw balls fast enough to break. But they do throw them fast enough to hurt like to a hurt like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, all that energy is just dissipated into your into your human body, and none of it goes into the paintball. That we just would leave with like welts after welt. <laughs> Yeah, so nobody nobody wins and everybody loses. Yeah, I was gonna say nobody could ever get out because no one technically balled. I think I think that was the kind of thing though where we did that. But it hurt enough though that you you couldn't help but yell something and Just then tap everybody out. knew you were hit. Yeah, yeah, mm, I see. Yeah, and I think our parents saw the extremes that we were going to. They're just like, fine, we'll just let them play paintball jesus like this is <laughs> this is getting ridiculous all right well so anyway that was uh, quite a wild up the questions yeah, a wild tangent a wild tangent a wild tangent appeared and we caught it we caught it guys uh, i think that that'll wrap up our questions for today seth you want to take us out yeah so uh so that's been this has been coffee with butterscotch it's normally a game dev comedy podcast but today it was about drugs and paintball uh, <laughs> sort of at the end there <laughs> Um, yeah, if you want to check out our games, head on over to games.bscotch.net. We also have a community over at forums.bscotch.net. So come on over there and say hello. And if you would like to get your question on the podcast, head over to podcast.bscotch.net. And just as a quick reminder, we've got a whole smorgasbord of bitlies. Uh, so this week we've got the quality of life patch. If you want to check that out, it's at bit.ly slash QOL patch. The Crashlands documentary, you can find the Kickstarter for that in pre-order at bit.ly slash crashlandsmovie. And we have t-shirts available for the next few weeks, which are at bit.ly slash shirts. And last but not least, if you want to apply Jesus! for the game this mechanic, really getting out of control. if you want to apply for the game mechanic job, Whee! head on over to jobs.bscotch.net. Nice work. Did you get right, notes on that or did you just <laughs> do it off the top of your head? I just, I just did it, man. Yeah. Also, I was looking at the... Anyways. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye! And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye! Bye!